other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA. Kendrick Lamar singing about DNA. Uh, Once again, much like with the case of the Golden State Killer, looking at the arrest of Brian Koberger has a lot of people uh, asking questions about DNA. Now, initially, CNN reported that uh, they were able to catch this guy, at least in part, because of uh, DNA harvesting that was done by ma- members of his family. Then it came out, no, 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 that's not the case. It was from the garbage of his parents' home. Slate reported just three days ago that investigators did indeed use forensic genealogy to zero in on suspect Brian Koberger, but they're not saying so. Uh, this has a lot of people raising questions about how DNA is used, and where sort of these lines exist, and what guardrails are there to prevent abuses by law enforcement and to safeguard people's uh, privacy. There are a number of potential pitfalls, especially when you're dealing with a justice system that is rife with uh, flawed science, because DNA might be the gold standard in terms of evidence, but it is still... Not perfect. Well, what are the privacy implications? Aside from the criminal justice implications, um, what are the privacy implications? Uh, Someone that spent a great deal of time thinking about that and uh, speaking about that is Leslie Corbley. She's the privacy policy analyst at the Libertas Institute. Leslie, thanks so much for joining me. I know it's a tough hour. Hi, uh, my, my pleasure to be on. So, Leslie, just so folks understand uh, where you're coming from, what exactly is the Libertas Institute? Sure. So the Libertas Institute is a uh, libertarian think tank in Lehigh, Utah. So we do research, uh, make uh, recommendations for legislative changes as well. So you got you pronounce it li- li- Libertas? How did you pronounce it? Libertas. Libertas. Okay. I, yes. I like my, my <laughs> pronunciation of Libertas. Sounds a little bit more, I don't know, it's a little bit more freedom-loving. All right, but we'll go with yours since it's your, it's your group, right? Uh, uh, so uh, sure. let's uh, talk about the, uh, the DNA situation generally. So um, when, when somebody hands over their DNA to one of these DNA testing websites and they get a handy little chart that says they're 70% Italian, 20% Irish, and they have all these new cousins that they uh, didn't know existed and now they can make uh, make contact with them and stay in touch with them. They have all these people they're in touch with now in case they ever need an organ or something. That all sounds great. What's wrong with that and why should people be at all concerned about uh, giving their DNA to one of these companies? Um. Sure. So the problem with giving uh, the DNA over is really that you don't know how it's going to be used in the future. So first of all, uh, right now, corporate policies more or less govern um, how easy it is for law enforcement to access um, the databases. So um, you'd have to look at the privacy policies of different um, corporate entities to determine where they stand on some of those issues, right? So some of them are work more closely with law enforcement than others. And then um, in addition, it's not as if your DNA sample can only be used now to, de- to locate you, right? Uh, so a family member's DNA sample uh, could actually be used to track 
someone who's never uploaded their information to the system. So I have a, a real concern about this, and it's one of the reasons that I have not done so is because if my, um, you know, if my uh, great niece uh, sometime in the future gets, um, you know, involved in a law enforcement situation, I don't want the fact that I handed over a DNA sample to um, help the police cut any corners in terms of uh, catching her. Now, when I've mentioned this on the radio, I'm usually the villain, and everyone says, or at least seventy percent of the people that call in, and they'll all say. Well, if your great niece did something wrong and broke a law, she should be arrested. And good for you for helping catch her. Why? Um, why are they wrong, or why am I wrong? How do you? How do you come down on that question, uh, Leslie? Sure. Well, it's not quite as simple as you know. Maybe someone make it sound of oh, well, if your great niece did something wrong, you would want want her to be to be caught. Uh, it's not as if this matching system is without any potential flaws. So from speaking to those who um, who work in the space um, of, of like what's called genetic genealogy, so that's how they actually track it, um, or the methods that they use would be generally called genetic genealogy, you have um, situations where, particularly with these corporate databases, you don't necessarily always see the chain of um, chain of custody with these samples. So uh, you could have a sample that's misnamed um, or other issues that could arise. <laughs> uh, so it's not as if it's without error. Oh, and so when you say that uh, there are, uh, that it's not necessarily without error, one of the best examples of this, I think, is probably the Golden State Killer investigation where there was a suspect initially arrested. What I, I don't think a lot of people realize is that suspect was later released, right? Um, I, I'm not sure if that suspect was later released, but I do know that the Golden State Killer Joe D'Angelo was cleared um, from a subsequent, I believe he had been charged with a DNA, from DNA, charged with a murder of a 14-year-old um, and was later cleared of that. So that actually could point to some of the exculpatory, um, so like DNA evidence can also be used for exculpatory purposes, which oftentimes law enforcement points out, right? Uh, this can be used uh, for exculpatory purposes. The problem I think comes when you're looking at um, sussing out suspects on the front end from using a relative's DNA. Again, my understanding being that there's the error of the chain of command or the chain of custody um, and potentially mismatching the DNA from a, a wrong name. And then there's also um, the problem of sort of the consumer consent aspect of people not being aware of, this, of how this could be used, um, as well as just the other those would be, I would say, the two primary ones. But, yeah, it can be used for exculpatory purposes as well. Uh, we're talking with uh, Leslie Corbley. She's with the Libertas uh, Institute, and she spends a lot of time thinking about and talking about privacy. Uh, what Beyond the criminal justice aspect of this, uh, Leslie, what are the other potential concerns about what people's DNA could be used for in the future? Really, I mean, you could dream up all kinds of not not great <laughs> hypotheticals, right, depending on particularly if this kind of information were ever to be sold. Now, obviously, right now, most companies have protocols uh, in relation to how this data is managed, but that's a corporate policy away from changing, right? Um, so it's not necessarily clear how these databases will be managed in the future uh, as to different uses. Um, certainly, uh, more private information that is readily available uh, could be used by, um, you know, bad faith actors, even private bad faith actors, right? Not not even mentioning law enforcement issues, but private bad faith actors could could cause problems. Well, um, you know, and, and you know, that's one of the other things that I brought up. I mean, we're, we've seen 
all these data leaks in recent years and all these hacks of, uh, in some cases, very uh, sophisticated or very high-end, at least people would assume they're very sophisticated, high-end mainframes. If people's DNA is all um, in, say, one of these companies' uh, systems and there's a hacker, what's what's in place to keep that hacker from leaking this private DNA information all over the place or selling it to somebody that might benefit from that DNA? I think the sale of it um, is probably what would be most troubling, um, even if it's not Obviously, something like that would not be legal, uh, would violate laws right now. But as we all know, laws are violated all the time, right? Um, and you can't necessarily put a cap on that. So I think when you're handing your something as valuable and as profoundly powerful as DNA over to a, uh, a third party, uh, it comes with trade-offs and possible costs um, that may not manifest until decades down the line. We we see all these shows on TV, Law and Order, so and so forth, and a lot of times on television, it seems like the DNA uh, evidence is just completely infallible. Uh, that it's just it's just perfect, and it will uh, always get you the right man or the right woman for the crime. But in reality, that's not necessarily the case, is it? No, um, no investigative method is really pardon, ever perfect. And while um, I think that there are good uses for DNA, for sure, um, and we should be thankful for the exculpatory evidence it can provide for those who have been wrongfully accused, we do need to be mindful of not you know, putting too much absolute trust in any invest any one investigative technique. Uh, my understanding, for instance, is that as you go further down the line of tracking, for instance, through relatives, there's a higher error rate. Now, I'm not by no means a DNA expert, so you want to talk to someone mm-hmm. who, who um, you know, is an expert in that field to get a little more clarity on that. But from having talked to to those who have worked in the genetic genealogy space, I can say that it's it's not foolproof as far as the efficacy of, uh, you know, tracing and um, and analyzing the DNA samples. And uh, as particularly as it relates to um, commercial databases, I've I've heard concerns of, you know, you ha- you're having to trust in the corporate procedures, which is all fair and well if you may be someone looking uh, at your ancestry, right? But when you're talking about possible criminal investigations, things get a little more complicated in that regard. So where are we now in terms of what the law actually says? I know you alluded to the fact that a lot of the policy regarding what law enforcement is able to use is really up to these private corporations themselves. What state laws exist, what federal laws may exist that limit how investigative authorities can use DNA from one of these consumer genetic testing companies? Sure, there's not a lot of um, law on point here. So, again, mo- if, if you're a consumer and you sign off to, um, you know, hand over your DNA to a company whose policy is, hey, we're going to share this uh, fairly openly with law enforcement. Um, once you've signed that, signed that off, you sort of signed your rights away to uh, a large degree. I know that there is a law out in Maryland, I believe, where they have uh, specific protocols for this. So they passed a law a year or two ago um, that regulates how the how law enforcement can access these databases. But it's a pretty new emerging area of technology and law right now. Uh, Chung with Leslie Corbley from the Libertas Institute. So if someone's listening to us right now, Leslie, and they would get a kick out of uh, sending their DNA and meeting relatives and uh, connecting with people online and doing all the interesting things that, uh, that you can do when you upload your DNA to one of these places, 
What would you encourage them, if anything, to be cautious about? Um, I would encourage people to really think through whether um, they want their DNA, whether they're comfortable with something as profoundly powerful as your DNA um, being in the hands of a third party where you really can't guarantee how it's going to be used in the future. I really think it's an issue of maybe the use now is fine, um, but you really have no idea what that's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now. Uh, And corporate policies change and uh, um, that, that is something to be aware of, right? You're not, you're not going to necessarily have the same ownership of ancestry.com or GEDmatch. And I'm just pulling out names of common databases, but um, you're not necessarily going to have the same manage, management in 10, 15, 20 years as you do now. And it's not really clear how, for instance, a um, consumer, let's say, who handed their DNA over when there were certain policies in place, how is that DNA sample going to be managed if there were to be changes in policy in the future, right? Um, these are some, some sort of fine points that it's not really clear how that's what that's going to look like. Do we know exactly what happened in terms of the Idaho case and what law enforcement did in terms of uh, in terms of DNA and in terms of possibly using one of these genetic testing companies' uh, information? Yeah, it does appear as though they they matched DNA from the crime scene against um, some of these databases or a consumer database. Um, it does not, to my knowledge, look like it's yet clear which um, databases um, was 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 matched with. Um, and I think it is also important to to recall that um, it's not as if uh, law enforcement has no access to genetic databases of their own. Um, they have access to, of course, FBI databases and other. Um, state-managed uh, DNA databases that they can cross-reference. Uh, obviously, access to um, ones that are built out in the private marketplace gives a larger sample. Right, sure. So uh, assuming then that the Idaho killer was caught, at least in part because of law enforcement's use of the one of these genetic testing companies' uh, databases, there's going to be a lot of people listening to us that say, good. Well, you know, not only is it great that he was brought to justice for the murder of these four college students, but thank goodness he was not he was caught in time before he could go out and murder someone else. Why um, shouldn't everybody be cheering the fact that law enforcement has another way to catch murderers? Um, I mean, sure. We're, I think I don't think anyone's bemoaned or begrudges uh, cases where. A, a murderer or a violent felon is brought to justice. I think we're we're all thrilled when when justice is served in those cases. I think the concerns come when with the potential for abuse, right? Um, you know, our justice system is set up on the premise that you're innocent until proven guilty, and that the right the accused should have um, you know certain rights, and that we should be very concerned about. Uh, ensuring that when we serve justice, we're, we're convinced we have the right guy, right? So I think that, that we need to be less concerned about um, murderers being brought to justice of something that we're all thrilled um, with that sure. result, but more concerned about uh, ensuring that there's a proper protocols uh, in place for uh, ensuring that, that the methods you use are are accurate and um and also that there's some kind of a, again, moving forward, you're having to look at situations that are a lot more dicey. Uh, it's not as if someone hands over their information and then their information is cross-referenced in an investigation that only involves the individual who's handed over the information, right? You're looking at things getting a lot more um, complicated uh, as far as 
what it looks like for you to be handing over your DNA and the implications that has for for others around you. As far as you're aware, Leslie, when uh, uh, how is the law in most places in terms of um, the use of warrants? Do do law enforcement agencies need to get any sort of a warrant before they can go poking around one of these companies' DNA databases, or do they just have to ask nicely enough to uh, XYZ genetic testing company and hope that that company says okay? Um, Again, right now, some of that is governed by corporate policy. You're going to see different privacy policies for different... um, uh, companies, Jed matches policy, for instance, won't mirror some a, a policy like, say, Family Tree DNA or 23andMe or Ancestry. So they all have their privacy pages uh, clearly displayed on their website that show under what circumstance um, law enforcement may access the data. So for some, they allow an opt out where you can opt out of having your mat your sample included in a search of a, of the database, um, and others may be different. Uh, you know, Ancestry I think is a little more tight on their policies than say other companies maybe like GEDmatch, I think is a little less uh, restrictive. Uh, as far as the law goes, for instance, in Maryland, that's why I referenced their law, they do have some judicial oversight required uh, in order to access that data, but not specific to the state of Maryland. Gotcha. Gotcha. Needless to say, uh, I'm guessing you're not uh, handing over your DNA to one of these co- genetic testing companies anytime <laughs> soon. No, that's not on my agenda uh, now or any time in the near future. Granted, I guess if one of my family members has handed it over, there's, you know, um, some exposure there, not, you know, not to implicate myself in criminal activity, which I'm not involved in. But um, you get the idea that, again, it's not clear um, how much, how easy it may be to track people in the future. Um, And again, that's another thing I think people need to remember. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not predicting a dystopian future, but um, the easier... Everybody else is. You might as well, so... Okay, we'll just go there then. Hypothetically, if we end up in a dystopia, the easier it is to track people um, for any criminal offense, you know, uh, it makes it easier to cross-reference and find individuals, right? Um, So obviously we think right now about uh, states like, or cases like the Golden State Killer or um, this heinous crime in Idaho, and we're always glad when um, a again a true like a serial killer or just a disturbed deranged psychopath is is caught and brought to justice i don't think there's anyone who's like who's who's bummed when that result occurs but i think you have to look forward into the future to understand that that may not always be the case right um and we have a lot of other systems of frankly surveillance uh, infrastructure that is um being built out right now. And this could be used, of course, you know, your DNA is shed everywhere you go. (laughs) So it's not as if the only um, place where your DNA may land up is at a crime scene. Sure. No, that's 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 important to keep in mind. It's a very different ballgame than uh, than fingerprints, right? All right. Um, Leslie, I want to thank you for uh, staying up late or getting up early and for a thought-provoking discussion. I hope we can do this again soon. Great. Thanks so much, and my pleasure to be on. Thank you, Leslie Corbley, the Libertas Institute. Uh, She is the privacy policy analyst over there. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.